Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm here today with actor James Earl Jones II, who is currently appearing in multiple roles in the national tour of Come From Away, which will be playing at the Durham Performing Arts Center from January 14th through 19th. James previously appeared in the national tour of the Gershwin's Porgy and Bess. His TV film credits include Poker House, Half Bad, and Chicago Med. And to those wondering, yes, he is related to the legendary actor James Earl Jones, as they are both distant cousins. Good morning, James. Good morning. And how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. And to start things off, how has your journey been so far with Come From Away? The journey with Come From Away has been nothing less than amazing. Um, city to city, telling the story, and... It's such a cyclical, emotional ride because we tell this amazing story and you feel the audience's energy and then their energy in turn makes you feel better. It's a wonderful experience no matter where we go, no matter who we perform for, no matter what the demographic. This show is amazing and it continues to be amazing every single day. And everyone knows the story of 9-11, yet the story of what happened up in Gander, Newfoundland after that tragic event isn't as well known. It has become much more known nowadays because of the musical. How familiar were you with the events in Gander prior to getting involved with the show? I absolutely had no idea that anything had happened in Gander. And to be more clear, I didn't know Gander existed. Mm. It was all new to me. I was also one of the few people that was not familiar with the show before I auditioned for it. Hmm. I guess, would you mind telling us about getting involved? Sure. So, I live in Chicago, so my agent said, Stuart Talent, said, we have this show. They didn't really know a lot about it either. Mm. And they said, but it looks very interesting, and we have some sides. Would you like to come in and audition? We're going to send them a tape. So I sent them a tape in the second week of April. I flew out to audition that following Thursday to New York, April 26th. I had a call back that day and then a call back the next morning. When I landed back in Chicago, my agent called me and told me that I booked it. It was a super fast process for me. But it was actually kind of interesting because the producers, Junkyard Dog Productions, actually were the original producers of the regional opening of the show I was doing called Memphis. So they originally produced Memphis on Broadway in the tour, and so it was very interesting that I happened to be doing Memphis. I had just opened Memphis on April 25th, the night before I flew out for my audition for Come From Away. I didn't know that they were the original producers, and obviously they didn't produce my production in Chicago, but I just thought that was such an interesting story, and I found that out when I went in for my audition. They were like, oh, you're doing Memphis. You know, we originally produced Memphis. And I was like, you don't say. It was meant to be that I would work with these producers, this awesome cast, the awesome creative team. It's just been a wild, amazing ride. And in this show, every member of the 12-person ensemble plays multiple roles. Would you mind telling us about all the characters you play? So we each have a couple more prevalent characters. One of the interesting things about the Come From Aways versus the people in Gander is that the Come From Aways or the plain people, they're generally solo characters, right? They're not, they are, we are representing one storyline of the plain people. 
but when we are playing people from Gander, we are generally playing amalgamations of those characters. My main character is Bob, and he is based on a man from Jersey, actually named Tom McKeown, M-C-K-E-O-N. And he feels like a fish out of water. And, you know, over his time spent in Gander, he comes to understand and appreciate the thought of paying it forward, being kinder, being open, and he takes that message back with him to Jersey. Uh, I play seven characters, but only but many of them are blips. Some of them happen in very quick moments, but I can't tell you all of the characters because I don't want to ruin the surprise. Have you met this Tom guy that you're playing? Yes. So we actually, when we opened Seattle in October of 2018, we actually met all of the plain people and come from a way that we characterized. They actually came on stage with us for our big opening night bow. And we spent plenty, we spent four days with them prior to opening when we were previewing the show. And they also come to various cities all the time. And so if we wanted to call them or email them, we could. Like, I don't have a Facebook account, but they are readily available via Facebook. We can contact them and talk to them whenever we like. And tell us about your director, Christopher Ashley. He won a Tony Award for his work on the Broadway production in 2017. He's getting ready to do Diana, which is another biographical musical connected to a famous tragedy, as it's about Princess Diana. What does he like to work with? Christopher Ashley is amazing because he gets to the bare bones of the story. I think that what was great about David Hine and Irene Sankoff, the married couple who wrote this piece, like they did over 1,300 interviews, right? And they put all of this together. They wrote this amazing show. They wrote this amazing music. And Ian Eisendrath, the music supervisor and director and conductor, you know, he worked with them and they fashioned it to this amazing piece. But it was Chris who said, this is how we make this work. This is how we make it work quick. This is how we make it work efficiently. This is how we do this show in 100 minutes and get out all of this information and still tell this amazing story and still not lose anything from the story. And I think that's what's so great about Chris is that he said, I realize that you guys have 1,500 interviews and there is so much information that we could tell. But this is the information that is most important, and this is how we tell it in the most efficient way. But this show moves seamlessly. It is what some might call beautiful chaos. It moves for a hundred minutes, no intermission. Part of why the show works so well and so efficiently is because of Chris. I mean, we have five different companies. You know, there's the Broadway cast, the tour, Toronto, the UK, and Melbourne, Australia. That's why we have such an amazing effectiveness and, you know, five companies is not only because of the amazing writing, the amazing producers, and the really amazing message, but it's because of Chris and the way that he directed us to tell this story. And uh, going back to the beginning, how did you first get started in the theater? So my journey to theater was actually very different. I wanted to be a doctor. Hmm. (laughs) That was my plan. I have no theatrical training. However... My story is that I actually, I changed my route of of playing a doctor and 
decided to go to school for opera last minute hmm. after already getting accepted to Emory University for pre-med. It hadn't occurred to me how long I would have to be in school. <laughs> and so I rescinded my offer to Emory, and I was actually kind of lost. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And my dad's sister, one of my aunts, said, well, why don't you go to school for singing? And I had sung with my concert choir uh, in high school and decided that I would go to school to sing opera. And so that's what I did. I went to University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana, and I sang opera. And after I graduated, I, I actually wasn't pursuing singing at all. I was still working with my voice teacher in Chicago, but I wasn't really pursuing anything. I had sung in Europe for a little bit, but I was working at a law firm. I was working a regular job for three years. And before that third year, my voice teacher, Robert Berthold, he passed away. And when he passed away, he left me in his will all of this vocal music and an actual upright piano and he left me a letter. And in that letter, he basically asked me what I had done with my life. And at that point, I hadn't done much. And so I told myself that the very next year, I didn't really know how I would make it work. I didn't really know what I was doing. I would just audition. I'd find a way to audition for things. And then I did. And I booked some stuff. And I just didn't stop. Hmm. And so here I am. And as I previously mentioned, you happen to be a distant cousin of the great James Earl Jones. Yes, we've met. He's done a couple of productions in Chicago back when I was much younger. He did uh, Othello and Fences. He would give tickets to my dad to come to see the show and then to talk to him afterwards. And, and at that point, I wasn't into acting. I, you know, I just was coming to see plays that James happened to be in. You know, and I had questions for him, but my questions weren't of a theatrical nature because I didn't really understand that. At that age, my only questions were, how do you change clothes so quickly? <laughs> and he said, well, I have dressers. And I said, oh, so these dressers see you in your underwear? And he said, sometimes. And I was like, yeah, I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yet here I am. I'm doing a show where I make quick changes all the time. Yeah, I was about to mention that, because this is a show where everyone has quick changes. Yeah, many of our changes actually happen on stage. But the beauty of it is, is that, and this is actually another thing that I think you have to credit the entire creative team with, certainly Chris and our lighting designer, is that the show is so masterfully lit and directed that kind of like a magic show, right? Like, you watch what we need you to watch in that moment. We only have three tables and 12 chairs. That's what we have. And we have an eight-person on-stage band. And other than that, it's just us 12 actors. And so, in any given moment, you are watching this actor in a spotlight having a conversation with the audience while there is chaos going on behind to arrange the chairs and tables to create a new scene. But you only see what we need you to see. And the audience very quickly is trained to watch very specific things and not watch some of the more subtle things, right? So 
yes, I'm changing clothes on stage, but you probably aren't paying attention to that because you're listening to someone give you information about what's happening in Gander or New York. And when you're eventually done with the tour, what are some dream roles you'd love to pursue in the future? Oh, boy. Honestly, I've already played a couple of dream roles. I had a show called Carlisle in Chicago at the Goodman Theater that really felt like it spoke to me. It was a world premiere. I was the first person to do the role. I have done the production of Ragtime, but would like to play the role of Cole House. Walker Jr. I have covered the role and performed the role, but haven't actually been offered the role up front. I would very much like to play. I played Haywood Patterson in a regional production of Casper Boys, which was really very amazing experience for me. I would say also, if given the chance, I would love to play Mufasa in The Lion King. Oh, I was about to ask if you could ever see yourself playing that role and following the footsteps of your third cousin. Yeah, well, and part of the reason I want to play it is because I want to break the stigma because a lot of people don't talk about it, and it's okay, but, like, a lot of times people make it seem like characters have to be a certain weight, a certain height to play a role. So I'm, like, 5'8". Hmm. Right, and most Mufasa, most Mufasas who play the role are, are are six feet and above. And my thing is, I have the voice to do it. I have the presence to do it. I don't need the height to do it. I I, I think that anyone who who sees me on stage is never caught up in my height. And if they are caught up in my height, then I'm doing something wrong. But like. That, to me, is a dream role to break the stigma of people feeling like they have to be a super tall person to be considered revered or a character of importance or a character of stature because it's not important. We, we are doing shows now where there are people who are performing in wheelchairs and people who are performing who have various physical disabilities and yet they are given the opportunity to perform no show should feel like they have these intense limits, especially something so trivial as height. So I would very much like to play the role of Mufasa. And then other than that, I would say if there was a show that said, James, we want to create a show around you. We don't even know what we're going to do, but we want to do it with you. That would be awesome. And in conclusion, what advice would you like to give to any aspiring young performers out there? For any aspiring young performers, I would say these few things. One, be kind to those around you. One, because you should. But two, because you never know who will find themselves in a position of importance where they might have influence over an opportunity for you in the future. I would say be kind to yourself. I think this business is filled with a great deal of self-deprecation and people who don't believe in themselves and don't give themselves enough credit. Be kind to yourself. Know that not only are you enough, but that you are more than enough. I would also say to continue to study, experience, and thrive just in this world. Get experiences in your life. You never know what what experiences may cultivate an opportunity for you 
a better understanding of this world or a better audition in a room. And most importantly, I would say just keep going. I know it sounds like a moment from Finding Nemo, but that is what you really have to do in this business. You have to just keep going. You have to know that people will say no. People will say not today. People will try to judge you because of your look or your height or your weight. But know that not only are you enough, but keep going. If this is something that you truly want to do, this is something you are truly passionate about, keep going. Uh, James, I thank you very much for devoting your time to this interview. It was great getting to talk to you. No problem. For those who'd like to keep up with your career, where can they find you on the internet? <laughs> they cannot. I am not on any social media. I know it sounds weird, but I am working on a website. Hmm. And hopefully that website will be a very simple jamesrelljonesii.com. But if that doesn't happen, I will most certainly make a way for people to find out my future website. But I'm working on it right now, but I don't have any social media at the moment. Okay. So be sure to catch the national tour of Come From Away. It will be playing at the Durham Performing Arts Center from January 14th through 19th. For more information, please visit www.dpacnc.com slash events slash details slash Come From Away. Or you could also go to www.comefromaway.com to find more information regarding the tour. So thanks again for talking to me today, James. No problem. Thank you, Jeffrey. No problem, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at CareReviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.